Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I'm Bridget McGowan, and I have with me my very best friend in the absolute entire universe. Yes. I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. Simone E. The Great Morris. Simone, welcome to the show. I I'm like smiling here and cheesing because <laughs> you're like the best. Oh my gosh. Everybody needs a best friend like the fabulous Bridget McGowan Hawkins. So I am pleased to be here. And I should say welcome again. You are the only guest that I've ever had on the show for a second appearance. Um, so that just lets everybody know how important you are to me. And we actually met at a speaking event. It was the National Speakers Association um, back in April. It feels like it was longer than that. Back in April of 2018, we were both just working on our speaking careers and all of that good stuff. So I've been a professional speaker since 2001. You've been a professional speaker for quite some time. If you could look back, Simone, at, let's say, the very first presentation you made versus the most recent one you made, what would you say you know now that you wish you had known back then? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't even know. With my first speaking engagement, I don't think I knew anything. I'm just, <laughs> I was just moving through. Do you know, uh, being a part of the National Speakers Association, there's education associated with that. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur, there's education associated with that professional development that you invest in. I think when I was first speaking, uh, a lot of my memories come from the corporate space. And I'm one of those people who actually went to Toastmasters. That was my initial start or investment in becoming a better speaker. That's how horrible of a job I did in the beginning. And so I went to Toastmasters. I, I was a Toastmaster for about 10 years. And I've let me just say I've come a very long way. And I didn't know what I didn't know. I just knew that I wasn't good. And I wanted to be better. And it, I, I laughed when you said I did. I didn't know anything with that first presentation because if I think back, I probably would say the same thing. I was focused on making sure I knew my content and that I had a great outfit and, <laughs> and that my slides looked fabulous because uh, PowerPoint was just becoming like this really big deal, or at least in my world, it was just starting to become a big deal, like right around 2001. And I was presenting at a conference with some other classmates. And those were the big things for me. Bridget, know your data points. It was like some criminal justice academy of criminal justice sciences, ACJS. It's this big criminal justice conference in San Antonio. So I thought, know your data, know your research, know your content, be able to rattle off anything at any point. Make sure you're looking good. Even if you sound dumb, at least you look good. <laughs> and make sure that PowerPoint is on point. Now, a lot of that hasn't left me today in terms of the preparation and knowing what I need to know, making sure the PowerPoint looks good. And then when it comes to attire, you know me, I wear the same thing every time. That just makes life easy for me. I can then devote my brain to more important stuff instead of trying to pick out 
a necklace to match the belt, to match the skirt. What are some of your, <laughs> I'm serious, Simone, I don't have to think about clothing. <laughs> what are some of your, these are the two to three things when it comes to making a presentation or leading a panel discussion. These are the two to three things where they're just non-negotiables for me. From an event planner standpoint, or be more specific with me what you're looking for here. When you're getting ready to make a presentation, no matter what kind it is, what are three things that are just must-haves or non-negotiables for you? Like for me, it is, I've got to practice. I've got to know that content. Way back in San Antonio in 2001, the same as today in 2023, I've got to know my content. So practice is non-negotiable for me. That slide design, my slides must look terrific. And, and, and then again, I mean, with the outfit thing, I mean, it's, it's, and then also if I spill something on it, Simone in black, I mean, no, you're walking around with your breakfast on your lap. So, <laughs> so those are like, <laughs> and I'm so clumsy. So I'm telling you, there's a rhyme. There's a reason. There's a method to my madness. Most people don't realize it, but there is a method to the madness. So for uh, you, I know. As a speaker, like, are there things like, I've got to have sparkling water chilled to 38 degrees Fahrenheit? Right. I mean, like, what's Not your thing? Specific. Yeah, <laughs> you know, for me, I want to be comfortable when I get in, when I get into the seat or when I get to the stage and the lights are on showtime, I want to be ready. So yeah. it's, it's nice for me to have a tech run, especially if it's Microsoft Teams thinking from a virtual standpoint. Because I've been there where the tech run has gotten, um, didn't happen the way I wanted. And then sure enough, there were bumbles, bumbles and stumbles with technology. For, so for me, one of the things I want is to make sure the tech is right. Because I don't want to be worrying about that when I'm speaking like, uh-oh, this went off or uh-oh, this doesn't work. So technology for me is a big thing. And, and doing virtual presentations, especially if I hear Teams, I'm always asking what platform? I hear Teams, I'm reaching out to my IT guy. We have got to get this working so that I'm not worrying about technology. I don't want to worry about technology. I just want to deliver my message. So I would say that technology is a uh, non-negotiable that needs to work right. I also want to know uh, the expectations of whoever is hiring me, that there is alignment in what they're getting so that I have the autonomy to do my thing. We need to identify roles and responsibilities up front and uh, what the outcome is or what success looks like. So that at the end, they, the client is happy and I'm happy. I don't like to get to the end state and to hear what we were looking for when that was in community. I, it, it just really, um, it, it, it bothers me. I want to know so I can do something about it on the journey. So I would say being in alignment with whoever hires me what success looks like. I want to know that upfront before I hit the stage, virtual or otherwise. 
That is huge. Right before you and I got on to have this conversation, that's exactly what I was doing with a client, doing a couple of sessions down in Boca Raton in August of 2023. And we just had a 30 minute call where we talked through exactly what spelled success for them. So I could do exactly what you just said, get to the end of the presentation and know that I nailed it. I accomplished what I came to do, but then I also made the client and the audience happy. Everybody, it takes a 30 minute conversation conversation do that whether you're getting paid for the gig or not yeah and the big question to ask is what do you want everybody to know or be able to do by the end of the session that's right are there some things I need to stay away from right are there some topics that are just taboo hot button that I shouldn't venture into and what are some things that you specifically definitely want me to cover if you do nothing else have that call and then that tech check Ooh. <laughs> Simone Ooh, and I, we cannot stress the tech check enough. Whether you're doing a webinar and you're finding out, is it on Zoom? Is it on GoToMeeting? GoToWebinar? Is it on Teams? Where is it? And then insist on a tech check session at least five to 10 business days before the session and then arrive to the session early. Same thing goes for in-person. Arrive to that session early, have your point of contact for all AV matters. I, the planning, we can't stress it enough. As a matter of fact, in my book, Real Talk, the second edition, I give you checklists. In chapter four, I give you presentation plans and checklists that you must use before, during, and after your presentation so you don't miss any of that. Now, Simone, you do all kinds of presentations, as I kind of alluded to. I mean, you do panel discussions, you facilitate workshops, you uh, do webinars. Um, what do you... What type of presentation or what type of speaking engagement do you like most and why? Mm. Mm. Wow, that's a good one. Um, I do like the fireside chats because of the openness of them there's the engagement of the conversation and so fireside chats are a form of speaking engagements uh for me i'm constantly on the go so they require less preparation uh let me say mm. that so so that's a plus and then the the intimacy of the fireside chat to go deep in in discussion or to share insights appeals to me not just from me uh, sharing my insights, but also from whoever is the person moderating the fireside chat. Um, they can be very prepared and and it can be a very fruitful experience. And then you, you have it usually uh, between two people and then you pull the audience in. There's a certain level of intimacy of that that's, that's attractive and just you connect. It, it, I connect. And so I enjoy doing fireside chats. And, you know, you said it requires less preparation, but you you kind of, you know, you kind of fizzled out with that one because, you know, 
it requires some amount of preparation that it comes does i still have your, to but less exactly less. well the thing is what makes it probably a little bit easier because you're not like designing a a, a slide deck or handouts or right um, but the preparation comes from all of the expertise that you have and all the, the reading that you've done and studying and researching and writing and presenting, it's all packaged up. And, and so that's the preparation. So it, it, there's, it's just a different kind of preparation is what we'll call it. They and also, you also have a dry run. I know for me, when I've done it, mm -hmm. you still have to show up for the prep call. Yeah. to go through content. So there is that level. I just mean from a comfort level, you know, where you got the jitters before you hit the stage. There's less of that for me if I know I'm doing a fireside chat because I can laugh it off or whatever. And, yep. and I feel more serious or more focused and intense when I'm the keynote without doing the fireside. Chat. The second you said that, because I know, I'm, I know you, right? So it's like, even, it doesn't matter what you're getting ready for. I know you in the days and the weeks and the hours leading up to it, all the work you're pouring into. So I'm like, she talking about requires less preparation. I, I'm on the other end of these text messages where she's like, I, I, I got to get this together. I got to do this. I mean, just today, I got one of those text messages. I this, this, this. <laughs> And I've got to get ready. You're always, always focused on giving your absolute best. And listeners, another point that I want you to take from this is that a presentation is not the, always that formal on a stage with the lectern and the big screens and slide decks and everything. It can be a fireside chat. chat. It can be you on a panel discussion. So don't let the idea of these big stages and lights and lecterns and microphones in your face, don't let that scare you off from doing presentations. Simone Morris is CEO of Simone Morris Enterprises LLC, a certified minority and women-owned business enterprise. She is an award-winning diversity and inclusion leader and a consultant and a speaker who is committed to diversifying the workplace and training women and emerging leaders to take true leadership positions in all aspects of their lives, not just at the office. Simone's thought leadership can be found on various platforms such as Forbes, Entrepreneur, Glassdoor, just to name a few. And she is also the author of The Power of Owning Your Career, Winning Strategies, Tools, and Tips for Creating Your Desired Career, as well as Achievement Unlocked, Strategies to Set Goals and Manifest Them. And there's one more. <laughs> there's one more. 52 Tips for Owning Your Career, Practical Advice for Career Success. Oh, wait, but there's more. And she is the co-compiler of Upward Leadership Lessons for Women on the Rise. Now, Simone, you own the DEI space. You own the career ownership space. <laughs> you do, dude. You do. Okay. <laughs> Everybody needs a Bridget McGowan Hawkins in their life. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm available for rent, listeners. I'm available for price. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about what you, what you speak on, what you train on, what you consult on. I know you have a couple of different avenues. So talk to us a little bit more about those and what gets you fired up about those topics. 
Yes, I consult. I do a lot of consulting around creating an inclusive workplace. So a lot of work, consulting, training, coaching on inclusive leadership, best practices for that, uh, how to uh, lead authentically. And I also am passionate about leadership, specifically women's leadership. So I do a lot of work around empowering women to advance in their careers. And that could look like whether I'm facilitating workshops or training sessions on leadership development, or it could be high-performance career coaching. Awesome. Now, do you like one better than the other? Do you like the career coaching and consulting better than DEI, vice versa? Uh, they both have pulls for me, which is why I don't choose one or the other. I think the yeah. beauty of diversity is that I get to have multifaceted interests. I get to have two lanes that I play in. I resist the notion of niche down, niche down, but I love these two things equally. And there's something about each one that just gets my, just gets me excited. And so I don't want to say I'm no longer a, a leadership coach for women. I'm no longer helping executives create an inclusive workplace. Uh, I, there, there's, some excitement and something that speaks to my heart in each of those. And so that's why I'll continue to do both. I think that's an important message for, for listeners because you hear that a lot in the speaker world about needing to niche down and go be able to go deep and wide on a topic. No, you can go deep and wide on more than one topic, yeah. especially if it's if if they're your jam, right? So understand that it's important to pick a lane. But if there is more than one topic that just works for you, I know for me, I love presentation skills. Anybody can call me right now and say, Bridget, I want a presentation skills workshop. I'm on it. But at the same time, I still love doing sessions on just overall effective communication, which, yes, is directly and very intimately tied to presentation skills, but it's a separate lane. And then, you know, I used to teach. So if there was a faculty development opportunity, depending on exactly what it is, because I've been out of the classroom for some time now, I would, you know, give it a, give it a thought, give it a look. So yeah, you want to niche down to an extent, but if there are a couple of things that kind of pull at your heart and make you say, I've got something important to say about this, then yeah, say it. You know what I would say, Bridget, is that you have to believe it yourself. Because I know that I went to a training session that told me your website's not clear enough and that you need to do that niching down. And so sometimes you'll receive feedback where you take it and you run down the road with it. You're, you're doing flips and whatever to, to, to make sure you listen to that feedback. But you need to get to a point where you start listening to yourself and what appeals to you. And I think I've done that. I've, I've, I've flipped and you know, I don't know how to do a cartwheel. But anyway, I've done some twists and turns to try and listen to the feedback of those more wise than me. And it's gotten to the point where I am listening to my voice now more so than I ever have. Like, mm, I'm going to change it, but I'm going to change it back because mm, this is what I really want to do. So I think you need to get to the point, not I think I know, you need to get to the point where you're really in tune with your voice and what's important to you. After all, it's your life and you bring all of that with you to the stage. 
you didn't see the big smile that came on my face when you revised from I think to I know, because I talk about getting rid of wimpy words in Real Talk, the second edition. And that is an example of getting rid of wimpy words. I know better. I tell my clients, stop saying I think, you know. You and so I, I catch myself doing it too. I bumbled and stumbled there. I know. <laughs> yes, get rid of those wimpy words. I love it. So in a little bit, you will have an opportunity to ask me a question, Simone. It can be about presentation skills or not. Doesn't matter. So I'm going to give you that opportunity in a minute or two. My next question for you is, what is a big mistake that people make uh, about presentations? Or what is a a myth maybe that needs dispelling when it comes to making great presentations? Wow. I feel like I'm jaded because I'm, I'm best friends with you. I did, and then I hear about your articles and stuff and I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. I feel, I feel jaded on that. Mm, so I'm trying to get to a Simone answer that's not impacted <laughs> by the fact that I know Bridget McGowan Hawkins so well. Hmm. <laughs> what is a mistake that people make? Well, one of my pet peeves is people reading their message from their PowerPoint slides. It is uh, the biggest pet peeve for me. I, 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 when I've had a session where, and even now, even now I have, I would say in the last month, been in a session where somebody was reading verbatim from their slide and it just, irritated me I, I because if you have your slide your slide is a supplement to to the expertise that you deliver because you're there live and in person and virtual whatever and if you're reading if you're just reading from your slide and that's your content and moving to the next slide I'm thinking to myself well I don't really need to be here because I just get the presentation <laughs> and read it later on so I think one of the biggest mistakes is <laughs> reading content from your slides and not skinnying it down the content that's on your slide and then letting your expertise shine through. Ooh, yes, that's yes, yes, yes. I mean, just the slide is just there as a nudge, as a reminder, put as few words on it as possible. I love when you said, I mean, you said here, read the slide. I can just go so. I didn't have to come, but you're right. I mean, some people are, some people sit there and think that. It's like, well, what am I here for? Read, reading Rainbow? Where, where's LeVar Burton? What's going on here? Okay. <laughs> is this, is this, and bad is this, slides, bad slides. That's my other, that I, I it, but, but I'm working on it. I'm working on dancing through my discomfort because there are some people who are not tech savvy and generational differences and from an inclusion standpoint, because I prefer a sexy slide with, uh, you know, maybe an animation or some provocative image or something. And you've got just, what's that text? You know, the old school text. <laughs> it's like that, yeah, it is like that, that, what, that text where you're like, is that a slide? Yeah, I'm, I'm dancing through the discomfort of that because I realize that there are generational differences and I'm working on that from an inclusion standpoint. So okay, yeah, you you can sit in there and dance through the discomfort. I'm getting up leaving. I ain't staying in the session. Okay, what's your question? What's your, 
when you know better you do better right I mean your your slide deck is it's like all of it is a package you your message the slide deck so uh, just everybody just ask someone hey does this look great that's your starting point does this look great and if you get no it doesn't look so great then maybe you want to kind of judge some things up or, or or send me a message on on social media bridget i just yeah, want you to look at don't one send it to bridget you getting the red marks back i don't know <laughs> red red is the color of the love in my heart what's oh. your question for me <laughs> my question for you bridget is i know how much you practice or the passion that you have about practicing to deliver excellence on stage what would happen if you could not practice your speech? Oh, uh, what would, oh, Simone, I don't, I don't even know that I can imagine that world. I, I, I don't know what would happen. That would not happen. It, it, it just would not happen. I mean, something crazy would have to take place where, I don't know, the, the world implodes, um, I don't know. The idea of not being able to practice a presentation that has never crossed my mind. I don't know what would happen. I, I would have to call it off, probably. I, I just couldn't <laughs> see myself. I couldn't see myself just getting up there winging it and I'm hearing it for the first time. I mean, I, I guess I would. I mean, if the show must go on and whatever act of God has precluded me from being able to practice has taken place. It would have to be something major for me not to be able to practice. But I mean, either, oof. oh, Simone, I mean, you've got my stomach in knots. I'm over here <laughs> twisting myself into a pretzel trying to figure out what would I do? Yeah, I tend to uh, get to my presentation location uh, with enough time to practice that presentation. Uh, or find myself some kind of a quiet spot somewhere, I've got to, oh, you know what? I feel silly. I've got a great answer for you. Let's say I cannot practice my entire presentation all the way through start to finish at least three times like I prefer. I need to get somewhere where I can at least practice the first 10 minutes three mm -hmm. times. If you can give me at least 30 minutes, preferably an hour where I can practice the first 10 minutes all the way through at least three times and the last 10 minutes all the way through at least three times. If I can get myself at least an hour somewhere, I'll take that or I'll take 30 minutes and practice my first 10 minutes over and over again. So if I can nail those first 10 minutes, I, love that. I build my confidence and the audience sees me as somebody who might have her act together and if I can get in those last 10 minutes of practice as well of the last piece of the presentation because it's not that people aren't listening to everything in the middle but it's the beginning yeah. and the end that just really that sticks strategy. with them oh Simone you gave me you delivered a zinger for me there I was going I, into well I know who I'm talking to so I can't come with some sloppy <laughs> question so I, and I thank you for the heads up to, to have some some time to think oh, I've got to get a good question for Bridget I was about to go into cardiac arrest at the idea <laughs> of not being able to practice, but that's what I It was I just do. a hypothetical question, Bridget. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use one of my lines that I get from you. Don't bring that into existence. Don't, don't put that out into the universe. That's something you would tell me. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't know what I would do. I'd look like a deer caught in headlights, girl, if I couldn't get that practice. <laughs> All right, Simone. What else do my listeners need to know from you in order to make sure they're getting up there, they're shining, they're delivering their passion, they're owning the microphone, and 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 that they're just impacting their listeners. You know, I like to have fun with the work that I do. So fun is one of the components that I want to have from each speaking engagement. And so when I think about um, success or designing the alliance with the audience, I will say, you know, here's what success looks like for me for this time together. And usually on this list is fun. And then I ask them, what do you need from me to have a good time? Let's say it's a workshop, usually more so workshop presentations. I want to have a good time. I don't want to just, you know, it's like just data. I don't want to just have like a data ramble. I want human connection, fun. I want to learn. I want them to learn. And so I would say fun. Be sure to have fun with what you're doing. Have a good time. I think Bridget is hilarious. I keep telling her audience about <laughs> when is she doing a stand-up because she she'll text me something and I'm in stitches or she or she'll say something and it it just feels like it should be, you know, on a comedy stage. Uh, so I keep telling her she needs to teach something on humor. But I do like to have fun with everything that I do. If if anyone has any connections to like Saturday Night Live or something like that, <laughs> let, let's talk. I think, I don't know. It it just comes, Simone. I don't know what what will come out of my mouth half the time. It just it just happens. It just happens. You're naturally gifted. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's about having fun, like you said. It's uh, uh, you know, we've got one life. We've got, you know, 24 hours a day to just show up and show out and make it the best that we can make it. And if you can bring a smile to somebody's face during the course of the day, during a presentation, during a conversation, because remember, listeners, I tell you every time you speak, make it a presentation at the grocery store, at the gas station, at your child's school. It doesn't matter if you have an opportunity to bring a smile to someone's face and have a little fun inject some levity then do it nobody wants to be remembered as the stiff stuffy data oriented black and white boring person but add some fun to your life uh presentations conversations everywhere simone morris it's been awesome thank you so much for being on the show again awesome well thank you so much for inviting me again i didn't realize what a great time i would have you're amazing at this bridget thank you so much for this opportunity Ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to the listeners. I couldn't do this without you. I'm Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs>